this over. He's thinking about all this. He's trying to figure out what to do. And I love the fact that it says that Joseph was a a just man. He didn't want to make her a public example. You know? And it made me think of an application for you and I when you have to do something that's severe. Do it in the best way you can. Sometimes you don't even have to do it at all. See, Joseph didn't want to make a big spectacle, throw it up on On Facebook, we spend our whole lives preparing, getting ready for a job after finishing school, planning weddings, preparations for having a child. With all that planning, we know that things don't always go as planned. Today, Pastor Daniel takes us through the beginning of Joseph and Mary's life together and an unexpected child that changed the world. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 18. Part one of his message entitled, A Special Foster Child. We love using the phrase Jesus at street level because that's exactly who our God is. The gospel message, the story of Christmas is not of a deity who sits aloof far away. I remember there was a movie that came out one time where God was characterized as an absentee landlord who created everything and goes away and doesn't care at all. And that's some people's conception of God, but that's not the biblical God. The biblical God is so intimately acquainted with you and I. He's street level for us. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what yesterday or today looks like, the God of all creation exists right where you are. About the fourth or fifth century, the the church began to celebrate the, the month before the celebration of Christmas. They called it Advent. It, it speaks to the waiting. When a child is to be born, it takes, there's some time of waiting. This is very real and street level for my family. My wife is six weeks away from her due date. And for those of you who have had children, you realize that you don't prepare for your children to be born on the day that it happens. You're preparing months and months in advance because there is a preparation that happens before the birth of a child. You, you get those diapers. You get some bottles. You, you, you get a nice blankie, and you, and you get some really cool headgear for your child. Now, for many of us, for many of us, we've been around church long enough to feel like, hey, I've heard it all before. I mean, yeah, we get it. Jesus was born. Okay. But my hope is, is that as we spend this week looking at the biblical accounts of the birth of Jesus, that we'll hear it with fresh ears. We'll find ourselves drawn into the story in new and exciting ways. 
In a sense, Jesus was the most amazing example of foster care. Joseph was, and Mary were asked to raise the incarnation of God. I mean, that sits pretty powerfully, doesn't it? Raising kids is hard enough. Imagine that reality. So today, we're going to focus on a special foster child. I mean, when you think about the idea of foster care, it's a term used for a system where a minor has been placed into a home by the government to raise them. Although maybe the details changed, Jesus was a foster child. He was placed into a home to be raised, but not by a government, but by the Lord, God Almighty, chose a family and said, I want you to nurture physically my own son. It's powerful to realize that Jesus was an example of a foster child. So what I want you to do, I want you to open up in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew. We're going to look at primarily Jesus and his foster father, Joseph. As we look at a crisis pregnancy, we'll be in Luke's Gospel and we'll focus on Mary, Jesus' biological mother. And I have four simple points today. And one point's going to be about Jesus, and one point's going to be about Joseph. Jesus and Joseph, back and forth. Very simply, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, verse 21. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people, from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife, And did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. It's a very simple, elegant account. You know, I've given a Bible to hundreds of people. And I always show them where Matthew's gospel begins. And I always say, listen, start at verse 18, because a lot of times you give someone a Bible, a New Testament, and they start reading, and you guys know Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 17 is a long list of names. It begins, this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. 
And then you have Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob, and you go through that whole list. And how many people have stumbled over the Bible because the first 17 verses reads like a family tree? But don't think for even one moment that those lists of names are a throwaway section. I tell people all the time, like, you know, those first 17 verses, it's kind of boring, but what it does is it links Jesus to everything that happened before from Genesis to Malachi. That's what it does. This genealogy shows that Jesus has the correct spiritual pedigree to be the Messiah. That's why it begins with the summary statement, the genealogy or the generations of Jesus, who they call the Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. The Messiah had to be the son of David in order to fulfill 2 Samuel chapter 7, what they call the Davidic covenant, where King David was promised that one of his offspring will forever rule on the throne of Israel. The son of Abraham, of course, fulfills the Abrahamic covenant, which you see in Genesis 12 and 15 and 17. God had promised to bless Abraham and that in his seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So that list of names is there for a reason. For a reason. But then you get to verse 18 as the narrative begins. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Now, I think it's important for us to realize that Jesus wasn't his first name and Christ his last name. I think sometimes we think, or Lord Jesus Christ, like Lord was his first name, Jesus' his middle name, and Christ is his last name. It doesn't actually work that way. His name was Jesus, and he was the Christ, the Messiah, God's promised and anointed one. I know it, it seems like a little like trivial point, but sometimes we think that that's Christ is his last name. That's his position. That's his title. He's the anointed one. So, the birth of Jesus, who we know as the Christ, was as follows. And verse 18, you may have read the Bible so much, it doesn't even hit you anymore. Listen to what it says. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. That's kind of crazy now, isn't it? It says that his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, think about this. In our culture, two people fall in love, they get engaged, and they get married. And your marriage or your relationship is not recognized as legal until the wedding day. That's why at every wedding I've ever done and ever seen, at some point, they sit down and they sign that marriage license. You're rendering to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Up until that point, everything was spring training. On that moment, when that marriage, when they stand before God and that document is signed, it becomes a legally binding contract that is only able to be broken through divorce. Now, what's interesting is Jesus' culture was not that way. It was not that way. There was a whole different arrangement. Most marriages in that day were, were marriages that were arranged by their parents. Long before, long before somebody ever 
would be grown up, their parents made an arrangement for a son and a daughter to get married. Now, I know that all of you are thinking, well, that just sounds totally lousy. But what is interesting is if you look at cultures where there's arranged marriages, they have a very small percentage of divorce, and we get married based on love, and we have a very high percentage of divorce. Now, I'm not saying it's because of the arranged marriage, but you have to learn how to love somebody. You fall into love, you fall out of love. It's one of the problems with American culture. We don't even understand what love is, yet everybody's in it and out of it and in it again and out of it again. But there was an arranged marriage. Two parents made a decision. Two families made a decision. And then there was the betrothal period, which would be almost the same as our engagement, where at that point, when they were betrothed to be married, they were actually legally married, but the marriage had not been consummated yet. There comes a point in a, in a Jewish relationship where that couple would be legally married, but yet they weren't living together. They had not consummated the relationship yet. They had not had the wedding celebration. They were legally married. The husband would be back at his father's house building what would be the effect of an apartment or a place for him and his wife to live. He would be establishing his vocation. And then at some point, once that house was made, he would come with great fanfare, and he would come, and he would take his bride, and then the wedding feast would begin. They were betrothed. They were legally married, but it wasn't consummated until the wedding day. And what we find out here is that Mary was in that legally binding part of her engagement to Joseph, yet very clearly... Before they came together, as a Hebrew way of saying, they had not consummated their marriage yet. They had not had the physical unity that comes between a man and a woman, blessed by God in the estate of marriage. They had not consummated their marriage. And then it says, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. This teaches us that Jesus was a foster child. Jesus was a foster child. He was not raised by his father. And in a lot of ways, you can make the case that Mary gave Jesus his humanity, but wasn't truly his mother. Jesus was a foster child. Now, we're going to talk about this more next week, so I don't want to get too far down the road, but can you imagine if you're Joseph? He's betrothed. He's been committed to Mary since they were children, probably. And they're in the betrothal period. They're in that last phase, maybe a year, maybe 18 months. And Joseph is preparing the house, and he's establishing his trade, and he's looking forward to marrying Mary. And then all of a sudden, Mary's like, hey, Joey, I got to talk to you about something. I'm pregnant. And then Joseph says, thinks to himself, well, I didn't do it. And then Mary's like, oh, but, but Joey, listen, don't worry. The Holy Spirit came upon me. <laughs> you can laugh. I would have laughed. I mean, like, it's like the dog ate my homework. I mean, I mean out of all the stories that she could have come up with, this one? No, no, you, you don't realize. The Holy Spirit came upon me. And the Holy Spirit impregnated me. Now, I don't know about you. But I wouldn't have bought that for one second. But that's exactly what happened. And we're going to talk about that more. But try and put it in con. You, you men, imagine if you were betrothed, you were engaged, and you're 
fiance comes and she's pregnant. She's like, no, 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 listen. No, no. I didn't do anything wrong. It's really good. It's beautiful. The angel Gabriel spoke to me. You'd have been like, man, you are nuts, woman. I don't think I'm being coarse either. I mean, try, to, try and put yourself in that moment. Long, I mean, this was before Joseph understood the whole thing, and we're going to see in a second that an angel comes and talks to him. This is before he had all the boxes checked and everything made sense. This was just like, okay, Mary's pregnant. This is not really that good. We're not even married. We've, we've never consummated our relationship. She's pregnant. You know, it's amazing. Listen to Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33. The angel Gabriel speaking to Mary says, he will be great and he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. He will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him his throne. See, Jesus is almost a textbook foster child, but a special one had that. We're going to read later in the Gospels in Luke chapter 2 towards the end. Remember, they went over to the Passover feast when Jesus was in his early teen years. And they leave the Passover feast and they just expect that Jesus is in the midst of all of the people. Talk about community. You know, in our day and age, they would arrest Mary and Joseph for being neglectful parents. But they expected that Jesus was with everybody as they were traveling back. But he wasn't there, and they go searching for him, and they end up finding him in the temple courts, reasoning with the, the priests. And Mary's all freaked out. She says, why'd you do this to us? And he said, don't you know I need to be about my father's business? He's saying, you're my parents, but I'm about my father's business. So Jesus was a foster child. Now, look at what happens. In verse 19 of Matthew chapter 1, so then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus is a foster child, but Joseph is concerned. Joseph is concerned. And you can imagine, rightly so, he was concerned. Mary comes, she says, I'm pregnant. It says in verse 19 that Joseph, notice he's called her husband. Because although their marriage wasn't consummated, it was illegal. He was legally her husband. It says, that Joseph was her husband, and he was minded to put her away privately. But being a just man, but being a just man did not want to make her a public example. So in Joseph's mind, he's legally married to Mary, but she's pregnant, and he's in a tough spot. He wanted to divorce her, because according to Jewish law, having a child out of wedlock was punishable by stoning. So he's in his mind trying to figure out, how do I get out of this mess? How do I get out of this mess? But notice it says that he's a just man. He wanted to do it quietly. See, Joseph was in a hard spot because if he divorced her, there was the chance of her 
being publicly ridiculed, possibly giving up her life for what she's done. And if he marries her, he implicates himself as if they had sex out of wedlock. So Joseph's in a tough spot, and he's milling over this whole thing. This whole thing, he's trying to figure it out. I mean, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1, listen to God's law. When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because she has found some uncleanness in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house. See, this is where Joseph is. He's legally married. He hasn't consummated the marriage. And he's like, I either marry her and then I'm in trouble or I divorce her because she's pregnant and it's not mine. And she is publicly ridiculed. So he's mulling this over. He's thinking about all this. He's trying to figure out what to do. And I love the fact that it says that Joseph was a, a just man. He didn't want to make her a public example, you know? And it made me think of an application for you and I when you have to do something that's severe, do it in the best way you can. Sometimes you don't even have to do it at all. See, Joseph didn't want to make a big spectacle, throw it up on, on Facebook. Oh, Mary cheated on me. Oh, picture of this little ultrasound, not my kid with a arrow. <laughs> but Joseph was honorable. He wasn't trying to make a big deal. He was trying to protect her, even though he felt wronged by her. He felt betrayed, no doubt. He felt this is not the way life's supposed to be. But yet he was a just man. He was trying to do it quietly. He was trying to protect her honor. No doubt he was concerned about his own honor. But he was tender in the way he went about what he was doing. I like that. And would to God that as his people, we would learn from the justness of Joseph. That when we have to do something that maybe we don't like or, or isn't the easiest thing to do, that we do it in a way that's tender and kind. Trying to let love cover a multitude of sins. So he wants to do this privately. And notice what it says in verse 20. While he thought about these things... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So Joseph's going to bed, thinking about this, and in a dream, an angel shows up. It's one of the ways God speaks to people in the Bible, through dreams. Now, I don't know about your dreams. My dreams are kind of weird a lot of the time. But God uses dreams. He uses visions. He uses people. To Balaam, he used a donkey. God can use anything to speak to us. But he comes, sends an angel to speak to Joseph in a dream. Notice how he addresses Joseph. Joseph, son of David. See, he's linking Joseph up with Joseph's own lineage. Jesus is As Pastor Daniel began today, Jesus was an example of a foster child, the Son of God sent to live with a family temporarily. We heard the tough spot that Joseph was in, his new wife pregnant but their marriage unconsummated. He had to make a difficult decision, and he was a just man. 
God intervened so that he would know who Jesus is. Things aren't always clear in our own eyes. We need the Father to help us truly see. Pastor Daniel covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review? You can listen to today's message again by logging on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at JesusIsRealRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Jesus Is Real Radio is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Now be sure and tune in next time as we listen to the next chapter in the life of Mary and Joseph. Jesus is named before he's even born, announcing to the world that he is the embodiment of God's salvation. The beginning of the gospel message, Jesus brings hope, mercy, and abundant redemption. The salvation is for his people, and that's every individual's choice to make. You'll be challenged to consider whether you're his. That's all the time we have for today's broadcast from all of the production team here at Jesus Is Real Radio. We want to say thank you for tuning in. Until next time, may the Lord bless.